Welcome to the Mastering the Retail Game podcast from SPS Commerce, where we explore the new rules of retail and provide real-world advice on how to win by learning from your peers and industry experts. I'm your host, Chris Gunderson, and today we'll be talking about how you can get the most out of the meetings you have with your trading partners. For more than a decade, I've worked with retailers and their trading partners who both want the same thing, more sales. Today, we'll learn one of the critical points that determine if you have a winning or losing hand. Whether you're a retailer buying from a vendor, a manufacturer selling to a wholesaler, or somewhere in between, all parties have the same challenge. They simply do not have the opportunity to spend a lot of time together. When you do meet, how can you avoid delivering or receiving a sales pitch with no direct actions versus the intended goal of driving decisions to grow your business? Here today to help transform your meetings and make sure that every second counts is Brandon Pierre. Prior to joining SPS, Brandon held merchant positions for over 20 years. He worked for 13 years at local retail giant Target Corporation, where he managed nearly every category. Grocery, sporting goods, movies, hair care, you name it and he's done it. Prior to that, he had experience at both mid-size and small-size retail businesses. Today, Brandon serves as the Senior Director for Customer Success at SPS Commerce. He has daily conversations with retail customers on how they can leverage industry-leading reporting tools to make data-driven decisions. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Thanks. Excited to be here. Oh, that's great. You know, you know Brandon, for, for those of us that don't have any experience with, with retailer and, and supplier meetings, can you just give us a little background on what those look like? Yeah. Um, before I even go into the meeting itself, I think one of the things that I find is important for uh, you know suppliers and retailers to recognize is kind of where the merchant's head's at when they get into these engagement with suppliers. And oftentimes I find suppliers kind of assume when they get into those engagement with their buyers that they know and their head's focused on what's going on with that supplier and their business, but they rarely are. They're bouncing from meeting to meeting. They're talking to vendors, but they're also talking internally. They're putting out fires with issues going on in the supply chain to uh, you know, items not selling. And so when suppliers get into these engagement with, with the buyers, they need to understand there's a level set that needs to happen around uh, that, that requires the supplier to actually come prepared to those engagements with what's going on with their business and to kind of level set um, uh, with the merchants. I would say, uh, you know, when I see these meetings go well, um, they tend to be about a half an hour and the meetings really constructed of first half is all about grounding themselves in what's going on with their business, what the supplier's business is performing at that retailer, how the retailer's performing, and then really diving into recommendations. That's great feedback. Thank you. You know, if you look at the landscape from when you started, you know, 20 plus years ago to today, can you give us a little insights on what's changing in the marketplace? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially in the dynamic between the time retailers have and and how they spend that with their suppliers, I continue to see that be stretched more and more thin. Um, You know, the reality is buyers are now starting to manage much more complexity within their business. You used to be a buyer that was just buying for the stores. Now you have the online space and then you have not only items you're carrying online, which comes with additional vendors you're managing, but then you also have the complexity of the channels. So how am I supporting buy online, pick up in store? How am I uh, pricing and promoting things in the store? All of those are new variables that the buyers have had to take on over the course of the last uh, you know couple of years. And one of the things that we consistently don't see is buyer headcount necessarily going up in an organization. So buyers are being pressed to do more 
with the same amount of time and the same amount of resources, which is really starting to, I think, shift um, how buyers and suppliers work together and where buyers um, that we're seeing um, really uh, being able to uh, conduct and lead their business well are tapping into their suppliers to help drive more of their own business performance at that retailer. So from that perspective, um, how do you see retailers and vendors uh, crafting strategies together to to be more successful in these meetings? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things is where I see this happening successfully is um, the suppliers are the ones that are coming with the the perspective on how I'm performing with you as a retailer and how I see the marketplace performing. And so they're coming in with a very informed opinion versus uh, coming into that meeting saying, how am I doing? What are your strategies, merchant? It's really, here's what I'm seeing happening in your stores. When I have the data available to me and I can see how things are performing, I've done the due diligence to have a recommendation. And then I've balanced that with what's going on in the industry to start to bring recommendations. So I'm not waiting to hear it from the merchant. I'm leading that and driving that. And then I have the opportunity to spend that time with the merchant to understand what they're doing as a retailer and how my strategy fits that and where I might be potentially going down the wrong path. But it's really becoming more and more supplier led versus waiting for the merchant to tell me what to do. You know, you mentioned how busy buyers are today. Are, are they having any time to do any online research on their vendors and, and, and different product mixes and things like that? I guess, I guess how much research are, they, are, are buyers coming into these meetings with? Yeah, I would say um, they do a lot of industry research um, and they know how their stores and how their categories are performing. They're not spending a lot of time researching you vendor and how you're performing. So that's one of the things I I constantly try to tell and and you'll hear me say vendor and supplier. So I apologize in advance. But um, the the, one of the things I consistently see is when the vendors are able to come in prepared uh, with their own point of view, um, that's going to help kind of speed up and make a more effective conversation with the merchant. Um, the other thing that, you know, I, I know we're talking a lot about um, the meeting and, and what this meeting looks like. It, it isn't always meetings uh, that are, are driving those engagements. It could be an email, a well-timed email, a well-timed phone call. But all of those engagements start with the vendor knowing what's going on in that retailer's business. And they're leveraging that retail and the merchant to provide that insight that's more globally on what that that retailer sees happening with their consumer versus spending time talking about that supplier specific item because the supplier should know how that's doing. Um, the other thing that you know I, I, I try to impress upon and, and where we spend a lot of time talking with retailers and the suppliers about is finding those moments where you can have the best success collaborating together. So meetings are one thing, but there's some themes within those meetings that we see. So one of the areas that we, we oftentimes talk about is seasonal businesses and especially how uh, merchants and their vendors can be collaborating more effectively around seasonal businesses. Things like getting an early read on how sales are performing. Um, not only performing at that retailer, but the supplier can bring some insight in terms of, hey, uh, you're you're down 10% to last year, but we see the rest of the industry up 20%. So it's not weather driven or it's not a late uh, you know, uh, trend that's popping, you have something going on in your stores. And the same way the retailer can come to that conversation and say, all right, 
you're down 10% my category, the rest of the category is up 20%. So um, the seasonal business and the reaction early on in the season is the difference on whether you, you know, you hit your numbers uh, for that season. And so the ability to collaborate early and effectively and align around you bring insights supplier with what's happening in the category, um, more externally to me as the retailer, I'm going to bring you some insights with what I see happening in our retail space. And then we're going to align on how to make the most out of that season. So that's one of the areas that, um, again, it might not be a meeting. Uh, you know, it might not, you might not get a half an hour with that buyer, but you might notice a couple items that are popping early on, um, whether it's up or down. And it's a, it's a well-timed email, but that's driven based on insights and recommendations um, that can really start to drive that seasonal business. Huh, sounds like there's an opportunity to really make it a win-win. Um, you know, when you're looking for new products, how, how do you find them as a, as a merchant today? Yeah, um, well, I mean, that, that certainly is shifting. Uh, you know, many years ago, it used to be you'd just, you'd, you know, take a few hours each week and go out and shop your competitors. You'd walk their stores, walk their aisles. You tend to look at who's your most um, direct competitor, uh, but you also have a lens towards aspirational. Um, so where do I want to be in this category? Um, and how do I keep an eye towards what that potentially future vision of my category could look like? So. Um, you know, in the olden days, I guess, uh, it used to be a lot of just getting in the physical stores and looking. And obviously, as the online channels popped, um, it's made it, uh, um, you know, a more, hey, what are you doing to search online? And, and what are you looking at from what's going on in the online perspective? Um, which sounds a little bit easier and a little bit more manageable to go online. But the reality is it is really hard to competitive shop in the online space. Um, you know, so much of what's bought online isn't necessarily because I go to a storefront online and see what they carry. I'm searching for something. I'm searching for a specific category, a specific item, a specific need I have as a consumer. So how do you competitively shop that as a merchant? Um, and what merchants are doing now is spending a lot of time saying, hey, what is my what does my SKU count look like in this category? How am I covered in certain price ranges? And then when I go out and look at my competitor sites, what's their SKU count in those categories? What are their price points that they're carrying that in? And we are seeing more technology now um, and site scraping technology that's feeding these buyers, especially the more advanced buying organizations with some insights in terms of here's what's being carried across the competitive landscape in these categories that's helping them stack up a little bit. But again, it's complicated. It's really challenging to know <laughs> the breadth of when you think about all the competition I could be looking at online, it's hard to know what everyone's doing, which when I come back to it is, is exactly why the more that um, uh, the supplier partners can be coming with fact-based fact recommendations driven by data and insights around what's happening in the category today, they open themselves up for that opportunity to then talk about what they're seeing out there in the industry um, uh, more broadly. And so um, I do see, as it becomes more complex to competitive shop, that need for suppliers to inform me where they're seeing the industry go as well. Because um, again, I'm, I'm that one buyer that used to just buy for stores, now I'm buying online and now I have two times the vendor count, two times the competitors to be competitively shopping against and it becomes a much bigger space. So again, this is another area where I see um, suppliers continuing to contribute to that insights um, and helping me know where to go next with my category. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, we've talked about a couple different types of doing doing your homework in advance of, uh, of a meeting. Um, is there any, th any other type of research that you've seen done out there that's been successful? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so so we hit on the seasonal business a little bit. One of the uh, the topics I would say is the least sexiest in retail is everyday in stocks. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that tends to get pushed to the bottom when buyers and suppliers are talking about, but can have all the difference in, in how a business is performing. And this is this idea that if I decided to carry your item, is it in stock in my stores when the consumer goes to buy it? Um, and it gets down into the details of, are you, um, are you filling my orders as I'm writing them? Are you shipping on time? Um, are you making changes? Are you having delays? All of those things start to contribute to in stocks and in stock performance. And um, a lot of times used to see where suppliers would go to the retail and say, why is my item out of stock? But what we're starting to see change in that script is, well, if it's out of stock, what supplier could you be doing better? What are your lead times um, getting products into my supply chain? Are you filling in full when I write an order? or Are you making changes to my orders? All of those things are pretty critical in whether or not an item's in stock in the store. And then the other thing on top of that is the merchants, again, and you're going to hear me say this you know, throughout our conversation today, the merchants are being stretched to do more and more with the same amount of resources. One of those things is my ability to dig into in stocks at a store level, at a regional level, and there's a lot of insights that can come from there that can help a category perform. So I might have five of my 20 stores that are consistently out of stock and one of your top selling items. That's not popping to me on a, on a high level uh, radar. Like I'm, I'm seeing three quarters of my store are in stock all the time. So things look good and they look relatively in stock. Well, when it turns out my top stores on your top item are out of stock, that's impacting our sales. And it's, I would argue, the supplier's responsibility. Again, when you're able to get that data, know how you're performing on your shipping performance, and know how items are selling and where they're in stock and out of stock, you need to be making that recommendation as a supplier because that's owning your business with that retailer. You shouldn't leave it up to the retailer to find those areas of opportunity. Um, I used to see less and less of suppliers actually coming prepared with that type of insight, but um, that's where we see more and more of the retailers asking it, but also the suppliers being prepared to discuss that and really lead that effort. So, yeah. You know, on the supplier sales team here at SPS, we, we hear a lot about vendor scorecarding. Is that is that <laughs> some of the things that you're talking about with, with um, deliveries and, and, and items like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I came from a, a big organization in the past and I, I took some of the vendor scorecarding that we had in place for granted. And I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised when we're starting to work with our retailers the challenge historically they've had around being able to scorecard consistently with their vendors. They tend to have a way to track it, whether it's emails or uh, spreadsheets, but we are seeing more and more when you hear uh, business intelligence and business analytics that we're seeing more and more scorecarding around the vendors starting to be something that um, retailers are asking for and demanding of their systems um, and their capabilities. Um, but they're not, they're not all doing it consistently yet, but we do see that continuing to be something that retailers are leveraging. And quite honestly, um, it, it, it is a benefit to the suppliers. Like why, you know, um, if I can have visibility into how a retailer thinks I'm performing versus uh, a little bit more subjective on they're, they're keeping notes in an email or a spreadsheet, if I can see here are the numbers and here's how I'm performing with a retailer, it drives a, a more, um, 
um, objective conversation on where we need to go next. So, um, so yeah, we do see a lot of a lot of scorecarding. But again, this is where I would argue, as much as the supplier can even bring that to the retail and say, hey, here's where I'm performing well. Here's where I'm struggling. How do we work better on this? So it's not always that the retailer has to be producing a scorecard for that vendor um, as well. So, what about reviews? Is that something that should be brought to a meeting? Not often enough, uh, if I'm completely honest, but they absolutely should be. Um, merchants are looking at it. Um, merchants do have a lot of scorecarding where they're going out and they're looking at what are my what are my consumers saying about this item online and how is that impacting my brand as a retailer? Um, so yeah, I would say vendors absolutely should be looking at that information and bringing that back. Um, the, some of the best suppliers did, um, you know, they would come in with screenshots of, hey, so-and-so said this about the product. And sometimes it wasn't a product thing. It might have just been the content online. Um, you know, we, we didn't specifically call this out in our long copy or description online. It seems to be causing some consumer confusion. We'd like to add this, and we think that's going to help. Uh, consumer make better purchases, and it's also going to address some low star ratings we got on reviews. But um, yeah, make no mistake about it, merchants are looking at that. And um, you know, one of the things that uh, we, we did a pretty in-depth study on reviews impact on consumers making a decision. And, and one of the things we found was, uh, on average, it takes uh, about seven reviews to even be credible. So when you're a consumer and you're looking at an item, if it only has three, you're probably like, it's not enough reviews. If it has 2,000, you're like, well, I'm only going to look at seven anyways. Um, so that was kind of the magic number that we always found. And and one of the things that I always talk to our vendor partners about was, um, and, and you know why retailers don't hide negative reviews is sometimes the negative reviews are just something that helps other consumers make a smarter decision. Like, I, I gave it a one-star rating because I bought a, this is weird for maybe a guy to be talking about a mascara or a blush, but, you know, we'd see a lot of these where it didn't, what your uh, color wave had on your site didn't match my skin color, and so I gave it a one-star rating because this blush tends to be a little bit darker than it shows online. Well, that helped inform the next consumer, so when I'm buying that item, um, maybe I want to buy something um, a, a, a little bit lighter because it tends to shade a little bit darker. So, um, so the, the the reviews are not only powerful for the consumers, but it's also extremely powerful for vendors to help retailers think through how should you be speaking to my item um, on on your site. Coming into a, a meeting, I, I guess I'm curious if if a, a vendor um, came to you and, and and talked to you about what's successful at a competing retailer. Is that something that you would find interesting, or would it kind of make your stomach turn a little bit? Yeah, I, you know that's funny. We get that a lot. Um, this is one of the biggest traps that I think suppliers can walk into uh, where a retailer may ask for some specific um, recommendation on what my competitor as a retailer is doing. And I would encourage all suppliers to stay away from that um, because the, the thing you start to do when you share that type of insight is what's to say you're not going to go and share that with my competitor about me. Um, um, and that trust gets broken pretty quickly. So I, I caution suppliers against 
ever speaking to what a retailer specifically is doing in terms of performance um, to another retailer by name. Um, and I also caution retailers against asking it. Um, you know, quite honestly, as you start to ask those things to your suppliers, you're going to lose the trust of your suppliers as well. Because if I'm sharing this type of information with you as your supplier, who's to say you're not turning around to my competitor and sharing this type of, um, you know, pretty confidential information. So. I would say, um, yeah, it, while it's valuable and maybe a short term, uh, you know, gain for our relationship, it does break down trust long term. Now, with that being said, there absolutely is an opportunity to share a broad opinion around what's happening with my competitive set. And I expect you to do that. I don't expect you to say this retailer competitor A is doing these things, but I think it's important that you come in and you say, hey, you're a sporting goods retailer. I'm seeing other retailers in the sporting goods channel do these types of things. They're buying these types of items from us. They're buying double the amount you are. They're, they tend to sell it at 50% less. Again, this is all you know public information where you're seeing these items carried in stores. You're, you're seeing them in stock. You're seeing what they're pricing them for. But you as a supplier to be able to come with that context of what uh, my industry and what my broader uh, set of competitors are doing is all critical information for me to make an informed decision as a buyer. So it's important to bring that that competitive or competitor insight into the conversation, but you're going to want to uh, definitely steer away from this uh, naming who the competitor is and what they're doing because that trust, once it's broken, you're going to see pretty quickly they, they might shut off your point of sale data or they're going to completely shut down when you're asking them to uh, you know share anything with you related to uh, strategy. So, Can any retailer or supplier employ the strategies that we've talked about here today in their meetings? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, that is one of the, the things, as I commented earlier on in our conversation, where, um, you know, I do see those interactions going differently by category, depending on if you're a multi-billion dollar supplier, you're probably going to be armed with a little bit deeper pockets and team of analysts that are going to be able to look at the data and help you come up with insights. But I would argue as a merchant, the the most value I got out of the data was when I had the smaller suppliers, the ones I was testing and trying to figure out, was I getting out in front of a marketplace trend? Um, when those individuals were coming back to me with insights, that's when I got most excited um, because those were going to allow me to kind of transform my category versus my everyday hitters. Now, with all that being said, um, the, the, the big players are still critical because they make up a, a large percentage of your business. So how they're helping you most effectively operate your business is really critical. But absolutely, I would say the smaller suppliers um, can really actually pivot their relationships even further with retailers when they're bringing these insights. And one of the things I would say, it's, it's still immature, but um, some of the more uh, frequent conversations we're getting into now are with some of these smaller retailers that are just figuring out, okay, I should be doing something with this data and how do I engage with my betters in it. So I would say the smaller retailer and the smaller suppliers are actually where we're seeing more traction um, and more momentum and how they're starting to leverage this in their relationships. This has been a great conversation and we've come to the end of the time we had for this podcast, but let's continue the conversation in the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mastering the Retail Game. This is part one of a two-part series on the topic of transforming your vendor meetings. 
You can listen to part two as well as read transcripts of this podcast and review show notes by visiting spscommerce forward slash podcast. You can also check out other episodes and subscribe through most major podcast streaming services. Join us on the next episode of Mastering the Retail Game for more tips on how to win in the new retail environment. Until then, this is Chris Gunderson signing off.